You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News. And today is draft lottery day. Huge day in the NBA. Potentially huge day for the Pacers. 13th could move up. And here to break down all the craziness that could go on today. What's at stake for the Pacers? History of the 13th pick. Everything you need to know heading into this. My co-host, Adam Friedman, former Indy Corners writer extraordinaire. Adam, how you doing, man? You feeling lucky today? Uh, maybe not that lucky. <laughs> That's uh, uh, it's, it's pretty crazy odds. So before we get into the specifics of the lottery, let's talk about what's going on. It's virtual this year. It's not the live thing where they have all the people behind the little stages. Oh no. What a tragedy. Yeah, darn it's ruined, but they're still sending representatives for the team and the Pacers in a killer. Awesome move are sending Nancy Leonard, uh, the wife of the late and great slick Leonard, uh, to be their representative in the lottery. So that is an awesome move from the Pacers. And hopefully she can be the the rabbit's foot that, that helps the Pacers jump up from 13 into the top four. Well, it is it is a top five draft, right? There's five players that are like significantly better than the rest of the, the draft class. Uh, the I don't think so, but that is the common conception, yes. So being top four doesn't mean a lot. Um, yes, top four probably, is great this year. Yeah, it's probably there's between a like, guy who's playing 15 or 20 minutes this season versus a guy who's probably playing five to 10 in borderline rotation versus like having to play a guy this year. Uh, if they get number one, they get a, a, a starter. <laughs> I okay. Think. That, that's, um, that's fair. I was thinking like two a through four. four. Yeah. It's uh, like, they're all, like, uh, they got the fourth pick. That would be a huge win. And that's like, that's a yes. guy who's probably going to play, but maybe not going to like be a, like, I mean, he might start <laughs> eventually, but it's not, but it's definitely a rotation player from day one. Probably. Yeah. We'll talk about the top four and, the history of the 13th pick and the 13 and mock draft stuff in, in coming podcast drafts going to be a little bit of a focus in these next couple shows and it's youth week. So we're breaking down some young pacers, but let's talk about odds. What is at stake tonight? So the, I think a, a, first of all, misconception with the lottery, they did change it. So it used to be, you can only jump into the top three. I see a lot of people being like, Oh, the pacers have a chance to jump into the top five. Well, technically yes, but they can't get five. You either get one, two, three, four, or your slot. Uh, from the lotto. So they can only jump into the top four and they can get any of one through four or they get 13 or they get 14. If golden state miraculously goes from 14 into the top four, which would be a disaster for the NBA other franchises, because man, would they have some ammo to do some stuff if that happens. But, and it would probably make sure the, the uh, Timberwolves pick then actually became a right. Timberwolves are yeah, in the top yeah, four. It would help them in many ways. Right. They have a two top 10 picks then probably. Yes, so the the ball the lottery balls will be drawn, and then the Pacers have just over a one percent chance uh, of getting the number one pick, and about a four point eight percent chance in total of ending up in the top four. I spent some time before the show coming up with a comparison because I'm a jerk. Uh, it is about one tenth as likely as a Tyreek Evans making a layup for the Pacers that the Pacers will jump into the top four. Uh, so it's extremely, extremely, extremely unlikely. Do not get your hopes up at all. And I know by saying that, and I know how people work and everybody's going to be mad when it doesn't happen, but it is extremely unlikely, but that is the the stakes tonight. Yeah. Um, that's why I said I wasn't voting that lucky because 
I don't know if it's ever happened. I think the lowest team has been was 11, and it's really in the new hour. It's 11 jumped to four. I believe that was the, um, the Lakers. Lakers. And I think we've seen a seven become the one and maybe a nine become a top three pick in the past. But uh, it's just not very – it's just extremely rare because the odds are, are set against it. Um, but, I, I mean, I guess it's why it's the lottery. You never actually know until it actually happens. But I would guess they're picking 13. The odds drop a ton after 10. So New Orleans is 10th. They have a 20.3% chance at top four and a 4.5% chance at number one. And then 11 at Charlotte is down to 8.5% at top four and 1.8 at number That's one. That's why teams were tanking at the end of the season to get to that spot. <laughs> well, New Orleans and Sacramento and Chicago, who are 8 through 10, were actually not tanking. They just suck. Um, but yes, in general. Well, I guess people were taking into the top eight, really. Yeah, yeah. Toronto lost their last seven games. Yeah, like Toronto was the seven. cutoff line. Yeah. Well, there was <laughs> the incentive for the season bo- with the longest losing streak in the NBA to get up to seven. Um, but they they overdid it. I mean, they finished. Four yeah, the the, the Bulls and Horns wanted to be in the playing game, but that's why that's why the playing game actually may have worked a little bit because pretty good chance the Bulls would have been full tank mode if it wasn't the playing game. Yeah, so that's why the the NBA changed the lottery because to smooth the odds to prevent teams from trying to do what Toronto did where you go really hard. And as soon as you're eliminated, you just ease off the gas completely, but yeah, we'll see what happens. It should be very interesting. The numbers don't bode well for the Pacers. That's the consequence of always trying to be good or okay, I guess is a, is a little uh, maybe more accurate and you can criticize that here and there, but we'll see what happens. 4.8% chance to jump up 1% chance to stay and that, like Adam said, this draft is huge in the top five, really the top four. I'm not as into Jonathan Kaminga at number five. I might actually not even have him as my fifth best guy. We'll do a mock draft next week. Maybe I'll do that alone because I don't know if Adam actually watched any college basketball this year. I have not, but I will probably do it after the lottery. I think that's what I said to myself. Once the lottery happens, I'll get Fair enough. I'll draft. send you some guys I like. So do you know the last time the Pacers picked in the top 10? Uh, 1989? No, top 10. So not, not, not top five, top 10. Oh, um, no, I don't. Uh, Paul George in 2009, I believe, 2010. He went number 10 overall. Oh, in, okay. If 10 counts, sure. I Last was, time they picked in the top five. Do you know when that happened? Uh, Reggie Miller, right? Uh, no, Reggie went 13. Oh, man. Uh, uh, it would be Chuck 19- Person? Rick Smiths. Rick Smiths. There yes, it is. Rick Smiths in 88. They went they picked number two that year. Who was number one? That was a really good number one pick that year, right? I don't yeah, know. Danny Manning went number one that year. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and then they, they have done a bunch of the good top job five in the not 80s. They're terrible. <laughs> yeah, the, the top four, if you can jump this year, the, the reason, it, I mean, always it's good to have more options, a better pick and option and more trade possibilities and all that. But like Kate Cunningham at number one is like a lock to be awesome. Like he's that good. And Jalen Green is a really good chance of being really good. He's probably my number two guy. Evan Mobley is amazing. That center and Jalen Suggs, we also what he did in the tournament special player all season long for Gonzaga as well. So that top four is really good, uh, uh, kind of a tier above everybody else to me. So jumping up would be huge. I mean, all those guys are franchise changing players and it could even like all we talked about this last week, like it could literally alter the Pacers coaching search, their free agency strategy, their trade maneuvers, like everything changes. If you jump into the top four and it's again, it's only a 5% chance that that's even a high rounding error, but you know, it, it changes your entire franchise. So huge night. The lottery is a huge night. Yeah, I mean, if you get top four pick, you have a real asset then too. If you decide you don't want to take a young player as well, uh, I yes, I agree. All four of those guys to me are like you have to take the pick level good, unless you get just blown away. Like unless OKC sends every like every pick yeah, they have. The they're notorious for wanting 
on talent. And if they don't, I don't know, if they, maybe the fourth, but they don't like a guy on their team. Does they, they could be traded for like a real player for sure. That's what oh, I'll, I will do a whole pod on that. But yes, I, I don't, I don't think they should do that, but I understand why they would. Yeah. I would agree with you, but they could do it if they wanted to. Yeah. So 13 is not like an awesome spot, but this draft is interesting. And again, we'll do a mock next week. Um, but there's been some good picks at 13. In recent memory, I want to run through the 13th pick if the Pacers don't move up. It's not all doom and gloom. Indy Star wrote a piece on this anyway today. But first, let's take a break. And first, Adam, we got to do a Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Do you have a nominee from anywhere in the basketball or Pacers world for a Michelob Ultra Player of the Week? I mean, I think there's an obvious answer, right? Oh, who, who would that be? Uh, Atlanta's Kevin Herter. Yes. Oh, my goodness. An insane 27-point Game seven performance for Formula Maryland Terp and now Atlanta Hawks guard Kevin Herter. He was fantastic in that game for the Hawks. What a what a great postseason run for them. I cannot be happier for the Atlanta Hawks. It's going to be a very fun conference finals. And uh, good for Nate McMillan. You know, we got to say. So, yeah, Kevin Herter, insane performance in that game seven for the Hawks. Has them in the conference finals. He is our Michelob Ultra player of the week. And, of course, he enjoyed that game. He was happy. And you'll enjoy Michelob Ultra if you try one. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And with only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, you will certainly enjoy Michelob Ultra. Joy creates success. And enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. So try a Michelob Ultra today. And we're also talking today about Credit Karma because Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help even more. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements just for making purchases when you use your Credit Karma Money debit card. You can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your instant karma cash will be added to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to over 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. Only for June 8th through June 30th, when you make a purchase between those dates, you'll automatically be entered to win a million dollars as well. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here right now. Visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Again, creditkarma.com slash win money. Sign up for free. Start winning Instant Karma. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions in terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank, Inc. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. All right. 13th pick in the NBA draft, Adam. Has been surprisingly good. Never get this twisted to say like the 13th pick is better than the 10th pick or something dumb like that. It's always better to have a higher pick. That said, the history of the 13th pick looks pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, you go through it. There's a lot of guys, I think, even that 11 to 14 are turned up being pretty good players. I mean, Peter, you even have a couple guys in the roster currently turning and went 11. And I think Sabonis went 11 as well. Maybe one or nine. But like Devin Booker went 12. I mean, there are, uh, Devin went 13. I'm sorry, yep. actually. We'll get to Booker later. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, yeah, there's this in 11 to like 11 to 15 or 14, there is a possibility of getting a good rotation player, maybe even a, like an all star level type player. But it, there's lots of value at the pick, at least if you pick right. I mean, that's how it is every year. I mean, some. I'm sure you go through each pick there. Obviously, as you get higher in the draft, there are probably more hits than busts. But 13, there are at least some hits, which is like, I think probably like 25. There are probably like only three or four guys who are like rotation players and the rest are all complete busts. Yeah, this year's draft is interesting because we already talked about the drop off after the top four. But there's a ton of guys for me from like five to 15 or 20 that could be very, very solid role players. There's already quite a few I've watched 
that I like Josh Giddy, Franz Wagner, Keon Johnson, Scotty Barnes, James Booknight. They all I've I've gotten deep on a lot of those guys and I really like them. Uh, and that's just a few of them. There's many more that could be good. So yeah, it's a good year to have a, a good first because there's a lot of talent in this draft. Um, but even last year, right? You brought up the 11 to 14 range. Devin Vassell to the Spurs at 11. He ended up being in their rotation for much of the year. 12 was Tyrese Halliburton, who ended up finishing third in Rookie of the Year. 13 was Kyra Lewis, who ended the season in the Pelicans rotation. 14 was Aaron Neesmith to the Celtics. He was in their playoff rotation. And 15 was Cole Anthony to the Magic, who ended their season at the starting point guard. Obviously, there were some injuries there, but still. And 16 was Isaiah Stewart, who was in the Pistons rotation all season. Like 11 through 16 last year were all rotation level pick. So you can get someone good here and the history of 13, especially tells us that like, there's only been two huge misses in the last like decade at 13. Yeah. I mean, you even look back two years ago and around that pick, right? Miles Bridges went 12. Shea went 11. Porter went four. Michael Porter went 14. Like there's lots of value around this pick. Yeah. So like, I, like I just said, 13 last year, Kyra Lewis, a uh, good player for the Pelicans two years ago, Tyler hero who lit up the Pacers in the playoffs in the bubble the year before that, Jerome Robinson. That's one of the two misses from the last decade. He went to the Clippers. Oh, that was a weird one, though, because I think they actually traded Shea to move or got Shea and then gave up that pick. Something confusing. So the, the Clippers owned they owned 12 and 13, but then they swapped 12 and 11 to get Shea. It was like, yeah, I remember they made drum some of the weird. That's right. There. That's right. The Hornets gave up the pick of Shea to the Clippers. That's what it was. Yeah, they owned back to back picks. So really, Shea could have gone 13, I think. Yeah. Like 11 didn't were all the same level pick. The year before that, Donovan Mitchell, another superstar. Uh, the year before that, the biggest miss at 13, basically since the Pacers, which we'll get to. Uh, Georgios Papianis, who's out of the league in two years. Yikes. Uh, you hope not to see that one for the Pacers. Then another stud, Devin Booker, all-star still playing in the playoffs. All-NBA this year? I can't remember. I don't think he actually made it. I don't think he was, but he might end up being an NBA Finals MVP with this all said. No, no kidding. Zach Levine, 2014 all-star. Kelly Olenek, 2013. Very solid player, right? That's the last one, too. I can't even count. That's the last eight picks have gone well in this spot. So it's been, it's like an interesting spot where like the top, whatever is usually pretty settled. And then there's some nice guys at the end of the top 10. And then it feels like 10 to 15 is sort of where you get either big swings, like Papianis, uh, or you get your really solid, like you can tell this guy's going to be good picks that aren't the huge swings. And this is also the range where if somebody starts to could fall, right. They just yep. like somebody free falls. So there's one guy. Like, no one thought Halliburton would be there at 12 last year. Yeah, I mean, I think even Mitchell was a fall, right? Didn't he? Sort of. Right, Mitchell was thought. I mean, I guess Mitchell was older. That's why he fell. But, yeah, like, that wasn't Michael, Michael Porter Jr. fell to 14 one time. The Pacers got did a Granger one time when he fell to 17. Kawhi fell to 15 back in the day. I mean, this is a spot where you get a guy if he's falling that you could, you could snag up. Yeah, 2012, Kendall Marshall. He had a, a few-year career. That's not a great pick, but whatever. Marquise Morris, year before that, he had a solid, and it still has, solid career. Uh, Ed Davis. I, I remember which one he who is he does he play for the Clippers? He's the Lakers one. He's Lakers out. one. All right. I, I can I they're, they're, they're he's so an good. NBA champion. He gets a pass. <laughs> okay, whatever. I mean, I, I always get them confused. I mean, they're like yeah, like they're, 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 they look the same. They have almost the same name. It's like uh, who plays for which one again? 2010 was Ed Davis, also still playing, and then 2009 and 2008, two former Pacers. 2009, the Pacers actually had the 13th pick. They picked Tyler Hainsborough. Yikes. Um, not a good pick was, at all. He was actually fine for a little bit. I mean, he wasn't great, but he was. But that, sure, sure. And that, good... that era of the Pacers, I just, I just, I don't know. I have I have minimal thoughts on everything that happened then. And he was part was of that first rock. playoff team, that 2010 playoff team, I think. Yeah, yes, he was. 
on that team. Jalen Rose was a 13th pick, right? So it's it's kind of hit and miss. It's like like Kendall Marshall or Marquise Morris are kind of like low end rotation guys, but it seems like at 13, the history, at least for the last two decades, honestly, has been either this guy's really solid to or this guy is a back end rotation player. There's like very few low level starters on this list. Yeah. So in that 2009 draft, there is one player though who is still playing in the league at uh, an all NBA ish level after went to went after 13 that year. Obviously, like that's the Steph draft. So Steph is still great. And so is James. Um, Can you name who it is? He's still in the playoffs today. Still in the playoffs. 2009 draft. Pretty good player. Chris Middleton. No, Drew Holiday. Right team. Oh, nice. Yeah. So like that's a guy who went 17 that year. So that's there's plenty of value at this pick. Jeff Teague went 19. Would have been a better pick than Hansborough. Teague. Obviously, I think he's still in the league, but it's not obviously where he was probably right. five years ago. But Teague was still an All Star at one point, I think. For at least Kobe Bryant went 13. I always forget about that. Yeah, well, that was a weird. Dale Davis got picked by the Pacers 13. It's just all fun facts about pick 13. This is a lot of data points about this draft and past drafts to say that it's not like, like obviously you prefer to move up. Top four is amazing. But 13, especially this year, not the end of the world. Yeah, it's totally different, I think, than where the Pacers have been the past years, right? They've been picking like low, like high teens or low mid 20s right i think like 18 19 maybe was their pick one year 22 which has been a consistent pick a couple years those when you try to get that range it's like very much a crapshoot like it is like one guy could be in the league as a rotation player this guy could be a little guy to leave within two years right we saw that for the pacers right leave within the league for three years but you know and then aaron Holly uh, he of, played for the blazers on a two-way this year adam do not give him he, he made his career. okay three and a half years whatever <laughs> 2017 was kind of a top heavy draft, right? Like remember everybody was into like the folds ball Tatum. Yeah. But, but even then after it's after 15, a lot of it's just a crap. After the lottery, that draft fell off a ton. In general, I don't know how many drafts have had that many good players outside of top 15. I mean, 2018 superstar studded, but again, falls off a ton after 15, right? Exactly. So like this Um, is a different position in that top. Yeah. In that lotto, in that top 15, is is just a whole nother ball game to the, even the ranges the Pacers have. Yeah, right. It feels like it's not that different than picking like 20, but it, like it really is yeah. significant. It, re- it totally is. And right, you, you, you're past that swing range, right? Like I think that that late top 10 or that, you know, you're ahead of the range where all these swings get taken and, and could then change the draft and stuff. So, yeah, 13 is not the end of the world. We'll see what happens there. But again, the odds not in the Pacers' favor. So I would expect them. To end the night 13. And remember, their only possible outcomes are 1, 2, 3, 4, 13, and 14. So it's not like if we're talking about 14 in the future, that's going to change that much of the stuff we just said. And 1, 2, 3, and 4 would obviously be franchise changing and scope out your entire offseason. So we'll break this all down tomorrow. But uh, there is other teams in this lottery, Adam, besides the Pacers. And I kind of want to break down um, what the preferred thing is for the Pacers. I like to do this every year. What the preferred outcome would be. For them, uh, besides them jumping up, right? So what other stuff do they want to see happen in theory? Um, and we could talk about some kind of newsy stuff that we kind of knew but kind of didn't today. So let's do that. But first, let's take a break and talk about the awesome folks over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season in full swing. Baseball, loving baseball. Philly still stink. Basketball, obviously rolling. Conference finals going great. NHL, UFC, MMA. They got everything over at betonline.ag, and you can track all the action over on their website. Before the next pitch, before the next game tips off, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest info that they have. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to that website. 
use your mobile device, either one, you can sign up today. If When you sign up, if you use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus alongside your first deposit. Promo code LOCKEDON at betonline.ag or online sportsbook experts. And of course, this episode also brought to you by Rock Auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models. It is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. You'll have to deal with that stupid questioning and wait while they just order the parts behind the counter. Then you have to go back to the store and still buy it. The warehouse people still have to distribute it. It's a pain. You can save time and money if you just use Rock Auto instead. Why spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts when you could get it for cheaper at rockauto.com? Example, Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store, but only $216 from rockauto.com. They're a family business serving do-it-yourselfers. For over 20 years, their prices are always reliably low. They have everything you'll need for your car or truck. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Fox? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Okay, so this is something I like to do and no one else cares about, but I still think it's important. What do the Pacers want to see? Like they're 13, right? The, the odds, they jump up very low. But the, everything we talked about this, above 10 and even including 10, there's a lot of volatility. We saw 11 jump up in the past, 9, 7. The Pelicans were only like 8 or 7 when they jumped up to get Zion. All this stuff changes so fast. So what do the Pacers want to see? If you zoom out, they always want the West teams at the top, right? Luka going West was huge. Zion going West was huge. They've gotten very lucky with this in a lot of recent drafts. There's a lot of stars in the West right now, and some of them, they migrate back East in their careers, but you know, just them being trapped and not in the Pacers conference or in their path is super beneficial. And then you come back to the East. Okay, the Pacers are going to be playing their division teams a lot, so you want those teams to do a little worse, or teams that are already good, you want them to do worse. So, uh, Adam, how badly should the Pacers want the Houston Rockets to win this one? So I think I, I have an ideal scenario. Like okay, perfect scenario. run it. Run it. I, I think if Golden State gets two top four picks, that means they jump and so does Minnesota. Uh, that's an ideal scenario because I think one of those picks becomes available in a trade. And I think that's the Pacers' probably best shot at getting a top Who becomes available? One of the, one of the Go- Golden State picks. If they get, if they get two top four picks. Uh, they can't get two top four picks. Yeah, they can. Minnesota has pick. a top four protected. So, Oh, that's right. It's prote- uh, well, I guess then if they jump to like four in Minnesota. But that, eh, they're not what you'd want is Golden State to jump up with 14 and the other one to stay at like six. Basically, what I'm trying to think is how what's the best way they can get a top four pick, right? So, like, I guess if like Sacramento jumped up to four or New Orleans, could that be possibly in a trade? Maybe who, who would they give up for a top four pick? How would they get a top four pick back? Well, that's why I'm thinking there was two in the team that needed to win. I don't know. They could, could there be a, a possibility they trade the pick and a player to move up? Would a team, uh, I don't think they have a player good enough to get them into the top four without giving up their pick and another future first and that player. I don't think. But would they be worth it? Maybe if it's top four pick, if, it's, if they like a guy so much in the draft, uh, maybe depends. Right? I mean, if, it, the, if that could solve their center woes, that might be worth it, right? Possibly, possibly. And you trade two first round picks once it's on the draft night, or do you have to do the every other year thing? Uh, they don't doesn't matter for the Pacers, but uh, once the pick is made, it can be dealt anyway, right? So it doesn't really matter. Okay, at that point. I was, I mean, because that that could be to me the right the, the goal is to get a top four pick to get ideally a, one of these kind of forward guys up there that can then play three or four for them. That's true. Golden State, I think, of the lotto teams would be the most likely to be willing to do that. Yeah, but I think if they get in the top four once, they're probably not. I think if they get two top four picks, but they, they get would probably... two top sixes. Yeah, but the six... Oh, no, because is... they'd knock themselves back, actually. They could get two top sevens. But the seven pick is so much worse. Like, I think you need to be top five, right? That's the yeah, thing. Yeah, not That's top the four, issue. That's why really. I was... 
I mean, I think so like teams that are probably going to be willing to trade their pick. I would guess is New Orleans and Toronto. I don't even know if New Orleans. Well, I guess they need to win. Right. The clock's ticking. They need to be good now all of a sudden. Although I wouldn't. That's so dumb. No, I disagree. I agree. It's so dumb, but it's not out of the possibility. I mean, like, obviously, Charlotte has always been rumored for the Pacers in a certain player trade. um, (laughs) But I don't know that would be the fourth pick, to be honest. No, Um, no way. Toronto could. But again, I don't know. It's the player. I mean, I I think maybe Sacramento because they're just stupid enough to do it. Probably. (laughs) I think it's just Golden State, really. You think so? So Golden State got to four. Could you, but they, right, oh, they okay. Don't... Houston, Detroit, Orlando, OKC, Cleveland, Minnesota, if they jump, Orlando, or I guess Chicago could be one. But Chicago's not looking for a center. But they're not looking center. for a center. Yeah. So Orlando, right. but Golden yeah, State I think, it, I think it's just maybe New Orleans and definitely Golden State. Okay. Be. I would agree with you. I, I, Toronto, I don't think so. Yeah. That, that's a good one. I guess if the Pacers fall back to 14, but the Golden State gets like four, because if they get one, Oh, they they're not there's no way they just are getting in with oh no 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 it has to be the fourth pick. I mean right, it has to be the second one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the first if Golden goes no, anybody gets number one is not traded to pick, they'd be stupid. The best right. player in the draft could be like, you know, multiple time all-star. It's a yeah, Cade's gonna be awesome. Yeah, like if awesome. the contest number one is not like one of these years where the number picks like maybe we don't know. Like last year, we didn't really know being one to four really or three didn't matter. Right. So outside of the Direct. That's a good point. I did not think of direct Pacers benefits when I lobbed that question to you. Good point. This is why I have you around still. Um, I think the ideal top four for the Pacers would probably be like who's really far from title contention in the West? Probably Sacramento, San Antonio, OKC, Houston would yeah. be the ideal top four. Yeah, because that um, bumps Charlotte back. Yes, that would also bump Charlotte back, right? That would bump every East team back in theory besides – Actually, no, I'd bump every East team back. So, yeah, that would be good. Basically, any and you want Cleveland to fall if you're the Pacers, right? So that would have Cleveland fall back three spots. That have, I mean, Chicago traded their pick, but they would fall. Those are division opponents. The Pacers play a bunch. Chicago Detroit, no pick uh, protected or no? Who? Chicago. Yes, Is they get their pick? pick if it's top four, I believe. Top three. Okay. So that's another thing the Pacers really care about, right? If, the, if that pick jumps up and the Bulls get a pick, suddenly they have Levine, they have Vooch, they have their pick back. From the Vooch trade, that would be yeah. Huge. I mean, you 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 do see the worst case scenario, right? The worst case team to jump up to number one. Well, the worst case scenario is Detroit one, Cleveland two, um, yes. Chicago I, three, and then name an East team four. Toronto. I would four, say the probably. worst case is probably Chicago one. True, because they're closer. Um, yeah. Then Cleveland. Then so like like Toronto even like let's say Toronto gets up to one. That's worse. That's pretty. That's pretty bad. They, they keep they're... Lowry suddenly. They have Siakam. OG looks great. Lowry. Well, even if they don't keep Lowry in two yeah. years, that team's a legitimate playoff team. All of a sudden, yeah, again, they're dangerous. They Fred Van Vliet's still there because they got a young roster. I mean, they still got Siakam. Van Vliet are still good. Players. That's probably the worst case of every team. Honestly, is that a team behind the Pacers immediately leapfrogs them well, in long term direction? Yeah. I mean, I guess if New Orleans jumped up to one, then they'd that'd be like a maybe potential championship level team someday. Yeah, Chicago and Toronto both would be threats to the Pacers. I mean, Chicago only finished three wins behind them this year, yeah. right? So those are the two teams you really don't want to see jump up if you're the Pacers, and then you always want to see the West in the, in the top, right? So anyone just see San Antonio jump up just for them. <laughs> They've always been staying the course, right? You think the lockdown Spurs, you think Jeff Garcia is like, I want to see the Pacers jump up, you know, they, 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 the same general. No, because then they bump their pickbacks. So no. That's true, that's true, yeah. They'd be okay like being Chicago jumping up or Toronto even. Remember, everyone, this is not really related to the Pacers, but I just want to remind people that any team that gets a top three pick technically 
exceeded their expected value. I know that sounds confusing, but with the way the odds work this year, the expected value for every team in the top four of the lotto is actually like a just over three. It's like 3.1 or 3.2. So if you get a top three pick, it's already better than you were expected to do just based on the odds. And yeah, but if Houston gets bumped out of the top four, it would be a disaster for them. Um, well, they'd lose their pick. Yeah, exactly. Even if they end up with a fourth pick, it's probably a disaster for Houston that literally just like didn't give a crap all season long, which is really... They would, they don't, they don't have that protection is weird on that. Where like they need to keep that top four pick. So yeah, that would be big time for them to to keep. Well, and just lose, even if they, um, the first pitch is losing out on Kid Cawthorn is a big deal. Cunningham, not Cawthorn. Yes. Yeah. Cade is ridiculous. I mean, whoever gets Cade, their franchise is immediately. Jalen Green could be that level too. Um, But yeah, there's going to be a firm. Who do you think wins the lottery? Who do I I think wins? Yeah, because it's, it's like a basketball one, gods question. Yeah, well, the number one team rarely wins it, actually, right? It's a lot of yeah. times like two through five are like the best chance. Um. Okay, OKC's not winning. No chance. Right, basketball Cleveland's gods, won it like seven times, right? Since it'd be like the eighth first round, first pick they got, right? The basketball got gods do not like what OKC's doing. I complained about them enough this season. Maybe the magic? Like, I don't know. They tore it down, too. They don't deserve it. Cleveland, uh, Cleveland's the answer here. Cleveland has won the LeBron, yeah. Kyrie, Andrew Wiggins, they don't and uh, Anthony Bennett draft. Yeah. Um, who did, does anyone really deserve it? Maybe the Hornets deserve it. Maybe the basketball gods like the Hornets here. Toronto would be kind of probably deserving of it. Yeah. They won a title two years ago. Minnesota's won it. Won the first Finding it hard to believe that Toronto needs more. Uh, right. If Minnesota won, that'd be the fourth time they won the first overall pick. The last yeah. Wiggins years. and Cad and, and, and yeah, none of these teams really. Deserve. Orlando would never win. It'd be good. I'd them. say well, maybe Detroit, yeah. honestly, as much as it pained the Pacers. Yes, Detroit ever had the first overall pick? Probably Isaiah Thomas, the last guy. Not right? for a while. Yeah. I guess Isaiah Thomas is the last one. Orlando's won it twice where they got they got Shaq and they got Dwight. Pretty good picks. Oh wow. Yeah. They have Fultz. He was a former number one pick. Yeah, they didn't count though. <laughs> that, I mean, yeah, New Orleans won it twice. They won the Zion and Davis draft, so they don't necessarily deserve it as much. Probably Sacramento deserves it. They never the last remember the Pistons had two and they picked Darko above Wade and, and Mello. Yeah, did. that's uh that's a hilarious moment because they that Pistons team probably would have won like four championships if they'd taken somebody better. Did they pick I don't think Isaiah was number one? He was also number two, right? Yeah, he was. Oh, okay. I didn't I said Detroit taken um any one of D Wade, Chris Potter, Carmelo, they probably win three championships instead of one. I mean, that's that's hilarious that pick is. Uh, a pick, cru- a quick cruise through basketball reference picks. Man, that was a hard sentence. The Pistons have not picked number one since 1970, and they picked Bob Lanier. So, Pistons never picked number one, right? That's true. That is true. So the Pistons are a good one, but yes, obviously this is a Pacers podcast. You want to see West teams jump? You want to see the Pacers jump? You don't want to see Toronto and Chicago jump. That's the night for the Pacers. And again, 13, not the end of the world this year. A lot of solid level guys, some decent wings, some nice, tall, unique point guards, some interesting big forwards, right? There's stuff there. No matter what they valued, something interesting will be there. So not the end of the world, but you'll always, again, want to see the team move up. Yeah, I, I'm i hoping at six. So we'll, so we know, we'll, we'll know pretty early, right? Because they'll do the top. They'll do, yeah, like they'll the do them right they, away. <laughs> they'll do the 10 picks and don't get in. So if they're not in that, as, as soon as 13 comes around, if they're not there at 13 or 14, they've jumped up. Yep. So I'm hoping we'll get, you know, 635, maybe they'll maybe be 645, but we'll, we'll know within like 15 minutes of the start of it. My, my central time. So Eastern time, it's at 730. I'm counting. Eastern time is at 830. 830. Okay. So it's 730 my time. My bad. I'm off. Well, let's jump on the, the news from today. Although we kind of already talked about this. Um, Woj of ESPN reports. The Patriots are beginning head coaching interviews in Chicago. That's where the draft combine is. If you're wondering why it's Chicago. 
this week in Woj says, including Steve Clifford, Brian Shaw, and Terry Stotts. Um, we already had Shaw reported from the Indy Star. Great scoop by J. Michael there. I think he's the only outlet that had that before this tweet. Steve Clifford we got from The Athletic and somewhere else. Uh, and Terry Stotts we've gotten from every outlet under the sun. So no surprises there, but that's, you know, when it's from Woj, it's real, right? So they're really diving in on the search now and beginning actual interviews uh, at the draft combine for those three guys. Then he adds, they're putting a premium on experience in the search. We kind of heard that in the press, although it didn't sound like KP would put a premium on it. You know, that that's a surprising phrasing there. I, and I think they were going to value experience, maybe not put a premium on it. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting to hear, but you know, we, all those guys do have NBA head coaching experience. So certainly seems like just given that those are the first three names that come out, that is important. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I think they want somebody who knows how to be in a locker room. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want to take no chance on somebody it's, it's, who hasn't been in a locker room. I think that, like, I think that those two guys are all good coaches, obviously. Maybe less so with Shaq because some of that Denver stuff didn't end well, although he's a good, like, he relates well to players. But, like, yeah, it seems to be well liked among players yeah. in the league. Maybe not stats necessarily, but I think Clifford and Shaw to an extent would be swinging the pendulum back a little too far, right? You, you got to find the right line there. So I think we'll stats to be pretty solid. I, yeah, I'm. I'm pretty into the Terry Stotts hire. Well, I, I, I think Stotts brings an offense modernization without, and then brings some of the more maturity to the position or like the, like having experience. But Adam, 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 the oh. trailblazers were 29th in defense this year. Okay. You can't hire right. a guy who coached a team that was 29th. And it just drives me crazy. Uh, you know what I've kind of noticed in the NBA? It's about the players. I mean, look at Nate McMillan. What? Nate couldn't get out of the first no, round. No, no, team. no. Now he's got, you know, a guy who's like the, you know, big ball Trey, basically. And, you know, Kevin Herter and Clint Capella. And he's running like, you know, all these like modern offensive plays with these great players. It's not about the players. If Nathan Millen was the coach, the Patriots would be in the conference finals right now. Obviously. I'm yeah. joking. I'm, I, yeah. the, the discussion we had about coaching last offseason was so annoying from so many people. Yeah, you know what would have been really viable last offseason? Uh, what? Them flipping Miles Turner and Vitaly Buford for Chris Paul. That would have solved all the problems. <laughs> hey, right? uh, yeah. A lot I of mean, the movies they, we they, talked they about last the, they actually happened to have turned out awesome. If they had done that move, they probably could be the... And that was actually a realistic trade, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, the, the way people talked about coaching last summer was so infuriating. Or they traded for Drew Holiday. That also could have made a big difference. That was not worth it to them, though. The Chris Paul trade price could was definitely worth it to them. The Drew Holiday trade, yeah, but he wasn't coming here because he didn't. He was they were going to take him where he wanted to be. Like, that was the deal. Press marathon. Well, yeah, that, that be that like part of it, right? Gonna, but yes. So yeah, or, you know, we, having Gordon Hayward would have been more valuable. <laughs> they definitely tried that one. So yeah, no, yeah, we we're going to probably have to move it up just because I talked about it so much now. But we're definitely doing a lockdown pacer show about like obtainable difference makers this offseason, right? One of them was dealt last week and could be available. One of them just had a not so great playoff series and has been just getting way too overflamed in the media. That said, he'll probably be on the move. I'm not going to say any names. I've got a few others typed down. So we'll push that up probably early July. Um, the stuff that could actually change the Pacers future beyond coaching. But yeah, I, I'm going to be taking swings at dumb takes. We saw last season uh, from coaching searches and applying them to this season. So people feel really stupid. For some of the dumb stuff they said, and I shouldn't be mean to people because I say dumb things too, but some of them were just so egregious that it made me mad. Yeah, last year's hiring coach hiring was a disaster. Disaster. Yeah. <laughs> disaster. No, nothing worked. Absolutely nothing nothing. Worked. The fan takes were bad. My takes were bad. Your takes were bad. The Pacers' sure. choice was bad. It was all a mess. I mean, in our defense, we were skeptical of Bjorken. Since like we were not gonna, we were like, let's wait and see. I, well, I like, think we just said like people were always asking like grading 
asking for a grade of the higher, and it's like, I can't, you know? Like, yeah, two I, years, we said. I have no idea. Yeah. Only it was six and months, he, apparently. Well, the, I think the funny thing is, in retrospect, we're totally off the rails of the lottery here, but like all season people kept saying like, do you think they could get fired? He's not doing a good job. And I was like, no, I think you kind of give this guy two years. And then when the off court stuff came, I just looked dumb. Like, uh, okay. Apparently he did not do a good job. So yeah, yeah. you just, you never know what the coaching stuff and it's made me be so much more reserved about how I cover it. Like it's, it's why you see teams go with um, established candidates, guys with names who know have yeah. done it before at least a little bit. They may not have been great, but they, they're, they bring a floor. Well, unless your team is like the Pacers last year, Portland this year, where things have just been a disaster, not a disaster, but things have been the exact same for a long time. And then you really need to shake it up. Like it looks like Chauncey Billups and Becky Hammond are finalists for that job. Like that would be huge changes for Portland, both of those people. So like there are teams where it makes sense. The Pacers are not one of them right now. Yeah. But most of the time when you, when you veer off that path, you're hiring a, a player or somebody and Becky Hammond's a former player who is like, you know, understands a locker room versus Bjorken never, never played the game. And it's rare to, take that kind of risk, right? Like, I mean, Stevens is probably the last big risk by a team, but Stevens was such a good college because you knew he could coach a team. I mean, he was, you know. He played. Dragging. He played in college. Who, Bjorkman? Brad did. Yeah. Well, I'm saying, like, most of the time, like, Steve Nash, right? He's, like, somebody who really is not a ton of good right. but was a player you knew could do it. Those point guards consistently. Ham was a point guard, same with Billups. So it's, like, not as surprising. But when you take a risk on a guy who really never played and also – is kind of first time coach. You're, it is a much bigger risk. Um, we we were a Kevin Durant toe on the line away from the conference finalist teams, all having former players as their coach. By the way, we are also a toe on the line probably from Budenholzer being fired and Rick Carlisle being the Bucks coach like today. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And yeah, I talked about Rick yesterday. Coach, probably tomorrow. If you're interested in Rick Carlisle, Pacers thoughts. I talked about that yesterday. Um, but in short, good X's and O's guy, not a good communicator. And given what the Pacers have stressed that they wanted recently, it doesn't seem like he'd fit that bill. That said, again, fantastic and X's and O's coach. So if they did hire him, it would make some sense. Anyway, I got nothing else to add, Adam. Do you? No, I'm, I'm, I'm tapped. All right. Well, Lotto tonight will obviously break down the results tomorrow, how it impacts the Pacers, how it does or does not change their offseason, who I kind of like at that range. We'll do a mock draft next Monday for that show. Uh, and the rest of this week after Lotto, stuff will be about... Uh, the, the young guys season recaps, O'Shea Brissett and Cassius Stanley. So thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you tomorrow.